Tim Barrow, how very lovely to see you. <laughs> how lovely. Welcome to Screenplay. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. It's an absolute honour to be back at Screenplay. I just wish I could be there in person. Well, we wish you were here in person too. Do you, do you realise that you are now the most, the most regular celebrity guest at Screenplay? Nobody else has had three, three appearances at Screenplay in its 15-year run. You are you're the man. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so that's even better than, well, we won't name names, but you still are the one who's had more, more appearances than anyone. And I do wish this could have been in person too, but strange days. Right? Strange days. I know. No, I'm glad we can do this. Um, also on my desk, um, and I haven't set this up, there's this chap that I got from, <gasps> I got from the first screenplay. So thank you. When we showed the inheritance of the garrison, yeah, the Garrison Theatre, you still kept the teddy. Oh, that's Yeah, so there's uh, my daughter's favourite. She keeps coming through and stealing. <laughs> I'm really glad. Hopefully, hopefully he's becoming a, an heirloom then, a family heirloom. He's getting on a wee bit now, yeah. <laughs> anyway, look at you. Third, third feature film. What are you like? Okay, your third. <laughs> so why this film? Why did you decide to make this film? Good question. Um when we were doing a second film i was thinking okay what on earth do i want to make next if anything and i was thinking also okay what do i want to devote like five years of my life to and it's it's always challenging it's always a struggle um but the rewards are just immense because uh, we get to do things like this um and the idea of a schizophrenia love story popped into my head and i didn't know where from at the time i don't have any first-hand experience of schizophrenia. Um, so I thought, yeah, immediately I'm interested in that. I like that. Uh, I want to find out about that. And then I started to unpack it and realized that there's a couple of significant things in my past. Um, so for example, I grew up in the village of Roslyn, which just south of Edinburgh, and just over the Glen from us is Roslyn Lee, which was a psychiatric hospital. And so we knew people who worked there and we knew people who uh, were there and who lived there. And it always, as kids, it always had this kind of ear aura, this um, mystique to it. Um, so I think that's, and I think I was, I was really interested in the idea that someone's mind could be troubling them or um, this idea that they could be ill that way. Um, and then we wind forward to when I was at drama school and I was in London and I saw there was quite a famous play in 2001 called Blue Orange, which was on in London and uh, it was written by Joe Pennell. And he was uh, subsequently a, a brilliant screenplay uh, writer. And it had a brilliant cast of Bill Nye and Chiwetel Ejiofor and Andrew Lincoln. And it was depicting a young black man's journey through the NHS after being diagnosed with schizophrenia. It was fascinating and it, it tackled race and racism and power struggles within the NHS um, and, but also the nature of diagnosis and treatment and all this stuff that I didn't really understand at the time but that really lodged in my mind and so when it came to 2011 thinking about another film I went yes that's what it is and I started to understand what it was and then I realized okay well I don't know about schizophrenia so I need to find out what it is and what it isn't right. so one of the first ports of call was phoning up Royal College of Psychiatrists and said, 
I'm a screenplay writer. I want to make a film. I want to make a schizophrenia love story. Can I talk to someone? And they said, yes, you should go and talk to Professor Stephen Laurie. He is head of psychiatry at Edinburgh Uni. And so I did. So I interviewed him and I basically asked him, is it possible for people with schizophrenia to fall in love? And he said, yes, of course. And I went, ah, and that was the beginning of my journey to understanding a bit more about what schizophrenia is. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the, I mean, I was thinking that the, the, you know, the dangers, the dangers of of this are, are many, but but they sort of include either stereotyping either mental health sufferers or or the people who help them or, or try to help them. It's you know very easy to to sort of to stereotype or and, and it must have been quite nerve wracking approaching how to how to characterise both Jacob and Eva and the CPN and the psychiatrist that are trying to help them without falling into some kind of stereotypical, you know, characterization of them. You're absolutely right. That was our biggest fear. Um, it's also an opportunity to try and do something authentic and something hopeful. And we haven't seen too many hopeful stories of schizophrenia, particularly in film. Often people with schizophrenia is depicted as the villains or um, this is like they're, they're troubled beyond belief. and through our research, we find, of course, that's very far from being the case. And people with schizophrenia mm-hmm. fall in love and have careers and families and do all sorts of things and make films and things. Um, so yeah, we wanted to work with uh, sensitivity, um, but also a bit more imagination and try and work out, okay, well, what are the, what's the research telling us? What are the tools at our disposal? So for example, with hallucinations, we discover that, um, Hallucinations are a key symptom of schizophrenia, uh, but more commonly they're auditory hallucinations rather than visual. Yeah. And film, being a visual art, it's very easy to de- depict things visually, but that's that's less authentic. So it gives us an opportunity to create a really interesting soundscape and to try and um, it's always more interesting, I think, when the sounds are telling you something and the pictures doing something quite differently. And so just in the edit, we kind of experimented with this and just saw how we could depict these characters if they were in normal banal situations, but they're actually experiencing mentally something quite extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, th- that's right. And it's like, um, I noticed that one of the, the themes that runs through it is is, is a sort of a, a mistrust of your own voice. You know, so quite often either in Jacob are writing things and you know rather because they don't actually don't actually trust their voices to say what they really mean. And similarly, you know, the, the sort of when the, the CPN goes to visit, I totally understood this poor lad, right? Because I used to work as a probation officer in another life. And I can remember going to visit somebody who was maybe a very troubled individual and and didn't want to speak. And you just kind of start bubbling just to fill the space up and I, I really totally totally understood him and uh, so all the way through the film there's this kind of mistrust of, of everyone's voices but particularly Jake, Jacob and Eva's themselves their own voice don't know oh I love that Kathy I think that's that's wonderful feedback yeah we're certainly trying to get at something like that this idea that you can't or t- in times of extremity you can't trust your thoughts yeah. which is an incredibly scary place to be yeah um, 
But also conversely, there's another, well, there's a few other circumstances in our lives where that's true. And one of them is falling in love that suddenly it just flips everything around. And can you, do you constantly say what you mean? Should you say what you mean? What are your thoughts doing if your mind's going at a thousand miles an hour? And how does this person make you feel in a way that you've never felt before? All these sorts of things that can be incredibly scary, but also sort of exhilarating. Because Jacob is, is struggling to, to just communicate with anybody and anything, isn't he? And then, and then his meeting with him, he just start, it just like opens up and he starts to communicate. And to, it, but even then, even then it's tough. You know, it's tough and he doesn't know what he's getting wrong and he doesn't know what, why she's so angry with him. And, you know, so it's even when the breakthrough comes, it's a tough world when your thoughts are all over the place. Yeah. And that those special moments where people, whether you have a psychiatric condition or not, um, when you can find someone and just be calm and still with them and not have to justify your actions, your thoughts, your behavior. Um, not have to speak and try and fill the void because I totally get that you know when we're at sea we try and fill the void with speech because speech (laughs) yeah Um, and it can get us out of trouble but it can also get us into trouble Um, and I I really like with film as well that we get the chance to spend time with a character and observe them Mm -hmm. and also with with Jacob, he can observe all sorts of kind of strange patterns and and things that might not be obvious in the world, like lots of bugs and insects and things in the city in an urban environment. Um, But that becomes really interesting on film, hopefully, and visually, we see someone's perspective of the world that's a wee bit different. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to pick up on that natural world thing in a minute, but it kind of made me me smile a bit that, that poor Jacob has to turn sort of poach it a gamekeeper because he finds himself saying to her, will you speak to me? You know, no, no, I'm trying to help. I'm trying, you know, when, when he's actually, you know, he's held off the CPN and he's held off the, you know, everybody else. Now he's, he's having to try and do the same to her and she's going, I'm not going to tell you, you know, but that was actually a really lovely clip, you know, for his character suddenly to find himself in that position of, of trying to understand, you know, somebody's silence or their, you know, their moods or their, their, their behaviour. Poor guy, he was, <laughs> you know, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of funny, but in a, in a sad way. Um, there's, Great. yeah, the, the natural world, you know, you've done this beautiful photography, this beautiful cinematography all the way through this film that's very, she searches for the word, very te- textural. So you're getting the textures of the lichen on the trees and the texture of the water and the te- and And, and I, I, I wondered about that. Can you, can you talk a bit about that, about why that was important? And because it, it comes up all, it's like an underlying motif all the way through the film of the textures of nature are all there is that a, a, is that him connecting or as you say is it just a different way of seeing is he just uh it, it is a different way of seeing <laughs> like doing it yeah um I, I think uh there's a lot of things going on our cinema robot our cinematographer robbie jones uh, was wonderful and was really interested in capturing details and things that we could use to get us out of trouble in the edit for cutaways and things 
mm. but it became recurring motifs and yeah. recurring motifs for Jacob and Eva were really important it was stuff that came up time and again for them yeah um and it was a nice juxtaposition in a city mm. bees butterflies mm. um and then out in the natural world nature can be so intoxicated and overpowering like the sea I mean like in Shetland for God's sake you're right it's the sort of forefront um, of nature um, and it can be so powerful so overwhelming and I think that's a nice correlation with their conditions as well that their conditions can consume them at times and mm -hmm. um, but also other times because of their personalities they can find a happier balance for themselves yeah I mean at this point I have to ask you because the audience will want to know. She lied because it's her that wants to know. Were any mice or birds harmed in the making of this film? No, yeah, they, no were, they were. No, no. We well, found, we found all those poor creatures. No, no, we didn't. We couldn't. I mean, both Elspeth and I are vegetarians, so we, we, we couldn't you do that. You were around smacking mice on the head. Just <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, it was terrible. And it was on the beach. I mean, it was beautiful. Like we found on oh, quite a stormy day and we found some these poor dead birds who had clearly come to grief in the sea in the storms. Um, yeah. But then, of course, again, like it becomes like just a little motif of something that's interesting that we find on the beach. You've got little fleas crawling over the corpse. Um, yeah. That says some that can say something quite significant. Yeah, everything renews, everything changes, everything. Mm everything evolves and yeah yeah it's true the other the other interesting motif that that i noticed going through the film was was the one of lights and like wherever jacob was there was there was, there was lights little lights big lights candles fairy lights and i don't know whether that was just your preferred set dressing or whether there was anything other to it than that that there always seemed to be he was like in his room in his in his flat there was fairy lights and little lights and tea lights when they get to the house wherever it is they're surrounded with tea lights and, and I thought I wonder if whether that was just a, a set dressing decision or whether there was anything anything hugely deep about that Tim right or even a bit deep um, <laughs> there's well there's lots of stuff we intended lots of really profound deep things in this that we hopefully do a bit subtly um I think that's also connected with finding finding beauty and Jacob when he goes to this empty flat he tries to decorate it and yeah. it's it's easy to find a cheap pair of fairy lights as opposed to put yeah. up really yeah. expensive wallpaper or something Arrow and ball paint or something yeah no, absolutely. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like he can decorate stuff he can yeah. make somewhere his own and you look at the farmhouse that's Eva's, that's yeah. clearly somewhere that she's sort of made her own in a similar yes. way. Yes. I mean, I loved, I really loved the MacGuffin of the, the random rucksack. I really loved that. I loved him finding that random rucksack with, you know, the, the message just saying, spend me. And the fact that, you know, there's all these individuals trained highly qualified individuals that are trying to help jacob but quite often it's the random thing that someone comes across that actually gives somebody the means to start helping themselves so he finds a rucksack it's got all this cash in it 
suddenly that's what he needs. He actually doesn't need any more bottles of pills. He just needs some cash so he can actually get out and go and do what he needs to do. And then I love it the way it also works for her. And she said when she needs to get away from him, there's the rucksack. It's there to help her with its messages on the back of cards and it's mm. you know, and it's a bit of cash that she can take. And I love it when he comes at the end and the last scene is him just hanging it up again for somebody. I really that 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 really got to me. The random rucksack really got to me. It was a lovely idea. Oh great, great. <laughs> it's just a really lovely idea. <laughs> Tell me about um the decision to use a road movie you know, framing. Mm. It, it, is that just because it enables you to, to to get out and have more opportunities or, or is there something special about the road movie that, that, that attracted you, the road movie framing of, of the story? Yeah, there is. I think I really like it because it, it's a journey into yourself or your psyche as well. Um, and of course that relates so closely to Jacob. Um, seemingly he's going towards freedom, but wherever he goes, there he is. So he's not gonna escape his thoughts. Um, what he has to do is try and find ways to balance them or keep them from doing him harm. Um, and then as you say, when he, he's poacher turned gamekeeper, he starts to realize a bit more about himself and Eva and trying to look after her in a different way. Um, when she's maybe struggling a bit more than he is yeah it does allow us to get to different environments and it um it's Scotland so you can shoot these incredible environments and beaches and mountains and forests and caves and it's quite farmhouses a, and things yeah it's quite a popular um trope for Scottish filmmakers no wonder it's all that stuff on your you know just within an hour's drive of anywhere you know yeah it is yeah. no wonder that, that people want want to use it. It really isn't. Ingmar Bergman, Ingmar Bergman's daughter. Do, oh, we, yeah. do we believe her and does it matter if it's true or not? Um, it's entirely up to everyone who watches it. Whatever whatever you want to get from it. I knew right you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, we ha I think we made... Right, here we go. Okay, we made a creative choice to go... We're, we're not going to try and disprove it so we mm. can cast doubt upon it and it is sort of a, a doubtful thing but for example the dates would add up and it could be true and there's so many sort of influences motifs of Bergman's work and Bergman was someone who was incredibly interested in psychosis and dreams and schizophrenia and, and made films yeah. about those things and um so it was a natural fit for looking for someone who could tell you could sort of conceivably it might be true but it sounds preposterous um but it's also i think the film it's a hopeful story and there's hopefully there's elements of magic in it so if one of those elements is this strange story comes true then great i'm up for that anyway i mean her the whole thing about her identity goes you know threads throughout the film and you know every time anyone asks about her name nobody knows it so there's a whole thing about Eva's identity right to the, towards the, almost the very end before you even have a name for her, you know. And he asks her, Limerick and she doesn't, you know, or she avoids the question. So why not being Ben Bergman's daughter? It's fine, you know, you know it's fine too. Grand. <laughs> that was lovely. Can, um, can I ask you what you've been promoting this film and to various festivals? Where, where have you been showing it, Tim? Where's it, where's it been screened? 
we kicked off during lockdown in July last year at the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival. Right. Which that's, that's a great festival, yeah. It's, yeah, and it was an honour for us because it does what it says and you have all these wonderful people, many of whom work in medicine, um, many of whom have got access to all sorts of uh, patient support groups and things who all bring together a bunch of films to celebrate and to provoke debate, discussion, to kind of get rid of stigma. So it was wonderful for us. It was going to be a live screening, which is the absolute point of making films because you come and bring all these people together and you get to chat to them afterwards. Um, it's been nerve-wracking. You must have been nerve-wracked about how, how they would react, how, how they would... Of course, we didn't know. Um, and also we're, we're putting out there, we're saying this is a, an authentic depiction of schizophrenia. And there's probably plenty of people who can say, no, it's not, or it's not my depiction or representation of it, which is absolutely fine. I mean, we want to do something that's authentic um, and we want people with schizophrenia to come see it. And we want to sort of cast um, these things in a more positive light because they can be positive. Uh, so, so it is nerve wracking, but people yeah. Yeah. gave us amazing praise initially. And we went, oh, we maybe this film is all right. Brilliant. And then you've been to a number of festivals since then, haven't you? I mean, we should have been at Screenplay last year. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, we wanted to. Um, no, but it's amazing, you've got it on this year, even though so we're coming to the end of hopefully the pandemic and stuff and it's happening and there's an audience and you're all out there, it's great. Um, we've been to, there's a few uh, festivals in North America. Uh, there's, a, there's a mental health film festival in Canberra, Australia. Wow. Been to quite a few festivals in France um, and won some awards festivals in Paris. That's great, and you've had about a dozen. reaction from from places. Have you, you know, the action? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we're still sort of humbled and surprised, and kind of waiting for people to say, "Oh, this is awful," and like, "What were you thinking? Oh, this is terrible." Um, but no, people have, and I think people number one instantly people wanted to share their stories of psychosis or mental health and after a pandemic and during a pandemic it's really important that we all debate matters of mental health because we've all suffered um let alone experienced illness and, and death to do with covid so this is great it's absolutely great and hopefully we'll keep going for another few another year at least and doing live screenings and everything because after the pandemic it's really important that we bring these people together and, yeah. and celebrate cinema and if our film can be on a big screen screening to a bunch of strangers that is amazing for us that's fantastic because you know the audience may not be aware but i am that you're a really busy guy well you and us are both are really busy with your theater company as well You've had a really successful show on at the Edinburgh Festival this year. I mean, the reviews have been amazing. Uh, what, for you, is, is there a difference in the way that you approach cinema to the way that you approach stage? Or are they, you know, do you approach them creatively in a different way or do you just, is it just another medium that, that you can tell stories in? You know, are, are they very different to work with from your point of view? Um, it's a great question. Uh, yeah, they are different. It's taken me, it's still taken me time to work out 
what theatre is and what film is and what's possible in both. Um, I think uh, the pandemic's been really interesting, actually, because that's clarified a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of sort of hybrid stuff happening, um, which is great because we need stuff. Um, yeah. But it really has clarified that I, th I think film is... Um, okay, I think I need to sit down and take matters more seriously with film. Yeah. So conceiving, making them, watching them. It's a serious, serious art form. There's, and it, because it's quite young, I think we don't, we still don't quite understand what it is and what it's capable of. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really important thing for human beings. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when you, when, when I see an extraordinary film, it, it's just like nothing else. I mean, you're, you're, you know, all about films, you know, all about this. When you, when we sit in a cinema, or when we sit at home um, yeah. and watch something that profoundly moves us or changes us or makes us laugh like there's no tomorrow, it's just the most extraordinary thing. And it is different to theatre. Yeah. I think yeah. maybe I've got a bit more experience of theatre, so mm -hmm. I understand a bit more about the rules and ideas and what's possible. With film, it's still, like, it's still new and still phenomenally exciting. Yeah, well, some of the audience may not realise, and it depends how much they've concentrated on their screenplay programmes, that you and I will be hosting a session on making your first, or how to approach making your first feature film. So folks, if, you know, if, if you'd like to hear, I mean, Tim's done this three times now, if you'd like to hear more from him, we have got a workshop on, on Sunday afternoon. But, um, you know, so it'd be really, really excellent to have the chance to talk more about how you how you do this, how you've managed to do this. When's the next one we're going to see? Another five years or? <laughs> no, five, now. Four years now. Four years. <laughs> Hopefully soon. I don't know. I mean, I've, lockdown's meant I've been writing tons of scripts and pursuing tons of ideas. And with okay. Zoom, it's great because you can go and chat to people in America quite easily. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, all sorts of ideas bubbling away. So we'll see what comes out. Oh, that's great. Well, so you'll soon be four, four appearances at Screenplay within the next couple of years. So that'd be really good to see you. But yes, for please. Now, Tim Barrow, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Cathy. It's a pleasure. Thanks for everyone coming to see the film. Thank you. That's great.